we looked at the faithlessness side, and then we looked at her, the, the widow, given all that she had. And it was an interesting picture because, you know, in a few days, the father would, would give the greatest sacrifice, giving all that he had for humanity. And that was his son, the blood of his son, the sacrifice, the ransom payment for sin, the issue of sin as a whole, every individual sin from you and I included in there, regardless of what you've done in life, the Father paying that payment once and for all, which brings us to tonight's study because we looked at the faithlessness and the faithfulness of man, and now we're going to look at the faithfulness of God. And so as we, as we jump off tonight, I'll read through Luke 24, and then I'm going to kind of jump through different parts of Luke 24. And then I want to move through a couple of different areas because it's pretty interesting. Today, this Easter, for at least me, uh, is dramatically different than any other Easter that I've celebrated with my family in the fact that the whole world is shaken right now. Um, Shelter-in-place orders, am I going to get sick, what's happening with my job, what's going to happen with my house, is, am I going to be able to put food in the fridge next week, is this going to go beyond the end of April, is it going to go till June, is it going to go till September, you know, some of you, <laughs> some of you might be saying, is football ever going to come back? Um, I am. <laughs> but just looking at all of it, it's, it's a dramatically different Easter right now. But it, 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 I know for me, at least in my heart, I pray to God that regardless of what the future looks like, that this Easter specifically, set apart from all the other ones I've ever celebrated with my family in truth, will earmark my life because it's made me think about life. It's made me think about what is important? What are the values of what I say what, that I believe and where I commission other people? You should believe this. This is what God's Word says. And then really sitting here thinking over the last several weeks as we we're approaching Easter about this greater hope that we have. And the fact that we have it is proof of the faithfulness of God because what he said he would do, he did it. Once and for all, in totality, in fullness, Good enough for every generation, for every sinner who would believe, for every grave and disgusting sin that you would ever bring to him, he would wash clean and make you as white as snow. And so that's really where we're going to be navigating tonight, is looking at the faithfulness of God and what he's given to us. Because of his faithfulness, then, the hope that this Sunday, today, Easter, should give to us. So let me read, and we'll kind of break it down. As we go, Luke 24, starting in verse 1, says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as... As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, these men said to the, to the women and the people there, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Notice he says, Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all the things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, 
Joanna, Mary, the mother of, mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them, to the apostles, it says, like idle tales or nonsense tales. And they did not believe them. Verse 12 says, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So this is the first day of the week, Sunday. Friday you have what is the passion of Christ that we know. Mel Gibson's movie did a great job on it. But you have Jesus then in, in Gethsemane being turned over, and you have the several trials that take place often you know, as you look through them, illegitimate trials, unfounded. Then you have him, when he comes to Pilate, and you see this, this back and forth with, with Pilate, and he says, I find no fault in him, I find no fault in him. I find, he's, he's telling the Jews, well, I don't understand what the point is that you want to crucify this man. There's nothing wrong with him. He's faultless. He's blameless. And so it carries this picture there on that, on that Friday as the Passion Week is coming to a head. The Passion is coming to a head. That there's this, this picture being fulfilled of this, this coming Messiah as you go through the prophecies in the Old Testament. Where is the, the lamb that would ultimately take away sin? And in regards to the law, the lamb had to be spotless and blemish, without blemish. It had to be perfect. So it's an interesting picture there as, as Pilate is trying to reason with the religious Jews about this Jesus, who, who they say are, he's a, they're accusing him because he says he's king. They understood. There's no question in the scriptures, does Jesus claim the Messiahship, or does he make himself the Son of God? They say that. They say they need to put him to death because he makes himself the Son of God. And it's interesting to see Pilate say he's blameless, he's blameless, he's blameless, because the sin offering had to be without blemish. And there was this picture of, of, of lambs and goats and oxen that they, they took the sin of the nation away temporarily. And there would be this Messiah who would then ultimately fulfill that and deal with sin once and for all. And so you go through the whole Passion Week, the brutalization of Christ, the ripping out the beard, the mocking, the lashing as they lay on the, the, the lash across his back and rip his flesh off you. You have all of that that takes place in the prophecy in Isaiah. He was brutalized. His, his visage, it says, was marred more than any man. You wouldn't even notice him. He's then turned over. They want him crucified. They release Barabbas. They crucify Jesus. He's taken down. You go through the whole picture there as he's on the cross, the last sayings of Christ, as it were, prior to the resurrection. He's laid in the tomb. And it brings us to where we are tonight. What's interesting is that's Friday that happens. Saturday, I remember teaching study before, I dubbed it Silent Saturday. I wonder what all his followers were thinking, right? This, this one that we had hoped in. He, it was the prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners willingly ran to him to listen to his teachings. The religious Jews in their pomp and pageantry, the, the lawyers of the law, the, the, the ones who studied to Torah and, and prided themselves on how much they knew, they rejected him. There was this, this, this huge paradox going on played out among men. And here we are Saturdays in a tomb, and everybody's hidden. You have these people here, his, his disciples, 
Many of them scattered. And it's interesting, because you get then to this picture Sunday morning. It says it was very early in the morning. And you have the women go to the tomb, and you can kind of put the big picture together and go through all the accounts, and, and there's several different visits there as this is unbelievable news. But Luke's gospel tells us the women go, and they don't find the body there. In fact, there's two men, it says they're in standing in shining clothes, and it frightens them, and they bow their face to the earth. And the angels say to the women, why are you looking for the, the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. The most hopeful words that humanity has ever heard. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. So listen, as we navigate the next 10 or 15 minutes, I, I don't know where you're at in life right now. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know if you know Christ as your Savior and the Lord of your life. I don't know if you're just listening in maybe because a friend told you to listen or somehow it got on your news feed and you're like, who's this guy? What in the world is he saying? Why is there this guy with dreads and this other red-headed Irish kid singing songs? I don't know what's going on in your heart right now. But the question is, like these angels would say to these women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Where is your hope tonight? Where do you put your trust? Is, is, it, is, is Trump going to fix the country? Is coronavirus going to stop? Is China telling the truth or not? It, what's going on in the world? Is Russia helping or not? Are they positioning themselves? Is the UN going to step in? Is the World Health Organization say You could give yourself a million questions that where do you put, where do you put your trust at? Why are you searching for the living among the dead? And that's really the basis for tonight because that proves and opens the faithfulness of God to every human. God paying the ultimate price. And then not only paying for it, then, then allowing Christ to be raised from the dead with the, the very Spirit of God in Him, proving that the payment was sufficient. That everyone after him that would receive him and believe in his name and the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection from the dead, that they would be granted new life. Washington can't do that for us. The UN can't do that for us. Vaccines, financial stimulation and all this kind of stuff. And did I get my check? Am I going to get it? All these different things. None of that can provide the hope that is necessary and the truth that we need in order to be sustained unto eternal life. And so these angels say to these women, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And then they say to them, and this is important for us, remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee. Remember. Maybe you have an aunt or a grandma or an uncle, or a sibling, or a best friend, or a stranger, a moment in time, where somebody said something to you in relationship to Christ and the hope of glory, and it pricked your heart. You thought, what in the world was that? What did they say? Listen, tonight, remember what he spoke to you. The hope 
if you're if you're a believer tonight and you're downcast and you're beat up and you're you're without hope, remember our hope isn't in this world. There's a there's a coming day. Could be tonight, could be a hundred years, could be a thousand years. There's a day where at one point all of us will be with him. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. No more how am I going to pay my mortgage? Can I get my kids through school? How am I supposed to work and homeschool? All of that stuff, all of that will be gone. And that's the hope. He's saying to them, remember what he said to you in Galilee, that he must suffer at the hands of sinful men and be crucified so that on the third day he could rise again. It says, and then they remembered his words, and they returned, and they told the eleven and all the rest. And so the apostles didn't initially believe, right? I know the first dozen times that I heard the gospel, and people telling me about a new life, I wasn't quite so sure. I had life figured out. I was still, again, looking for the living among the dead. I'm going to establish myself, get myself a secure job, do all these things in this world and prove that I can do it. And the fact remained that I was searching for the living among the dead. Looking for something that doesn't sustain, that can't provide, that has no eternality to it, to carry me through to the other side. It wasn't going to happen. And so the apostles were like, man, this is really hard to believe, except what I love is Peter runs off to the tomb. And he sees that the tomb is empty, but the clothes are laying in there. And he departed, it says, and marveling himself at what had happened. Jesus is risen. Maybe just as they said. Maybe just as your friend or your spouse or your co-worker or your classmate was telling you, he's risen. The payment for sin has been settled once and for all. New life in Christ by faith in the completed work that he accomplished for us, for you and I. He's risen. What's interesting as you continue on there, and I'll kind of paraphrase, but there's the story of the two on the road to Emmaus. One of them's Cleopas and his friend. And they're walking on this journey to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And Jesus kind of he appears to them. This is after the resurrection now that day. He appears to them, and their eyes don't really notice that it's him. And he says to them, what, what are you guys talking about? I'm paraphrasing. What are you guys talking about with one another as you walk? You're sad. What's going on? And they said to him, uh, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? You haven't known these things which happened these days? Are you kidding me? What do you mean? What are we sad? Do you not know what just took place? And Jesus says, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But notice, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all these, besides all of this, today is the third day since these things happened. And they continue on, and then Jesus says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ who have suffered these things to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures 
the things concerning himself. And they continue on in this journey, and they, they, they ask Jesus, no, can you continue to go with us? They don't know it's Jesus yet at this point. And so Jesus continues to go with them. It says, now it came to pass as he sat at a table with them that he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. It says, then their eyes were open, they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. What's interesting there in verse 32 of Luke 24, it says, And then they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? So again, Jesus revealing himself to people who had lost hope. Listen, I, I'm sure you understand, we live in a fairly hopeless world right now. Discouraged, downtrodden, people who are fearful. What a beautiful message of life beyond the grave. These men walking, talking to each other, sad about what took place, and Jesus walking with them, bearing with them, and eventually revealing himself to them. I pray that tonight for anybody listening. If you don't know Christ, you say, man, what in the world is this guy saying? Something is burning inside of me. That's the word of God. It says faith in the scriptures comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. If that's you, if you're hearing something tonight, come. A little bit after that, the disciples are together. They're sitting there, and Jesus shows up in the room. And they're scared. And Jesus says, peace. But they're still terrified because they don't know what they're seeing right now. And he says to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then he says, Behold, my hands, my feet, it's I, myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe, because they were so excited, or for joy, and marveled, he said to them, Do you have any food to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. He was restoring their hope. He was giving them the picture of the future, not just the current circumstances and where I'm at and what I'm stuck in and, and can God get me in this place. He's revealing to them there's this other destiny. There's this other future. There's this other side of the Jordan that we all need to get to. There's a promise and a hope, a future ahead of us that God has secured for us. And they're freaking out. They don't know what's going on. And he says, no, look, it's me. But what's interesting is he then opens the scripture to them. He says, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance, notice, and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus telling them, listen, everything I said to you needed to happen. 
God wasn't out of control. He wasn't being surprised by the circumstances. The Father didn't send the Son into the world and then think, oh my gosh, he was supposed to do something different. They grabbed him and beat him up and crucified him. That's not what was going on in the heart of the Father. The issue for sin, once and for all, needed to be settled for mankind. By one man, Adam, sin entered the world into all, and that by Jesus Christ, accomplishing and fulfilling all the law and the prophets, by him, salvation through one man also, for all who sin. The grace of God being poured out on all mankind. So again, that's you tonight. The thing the Lord has had on my heart is this should be a season of encouragement. We have hope in a hopeless world right now. We have a promise, a settled and a sure foundation that God has accomplished for humanity and for us individually what we would never be able to accomplish on our own. Are we going to get our jobs back? Who knows? Are we going to lose our house? Who knows? Where I live, all the schools are shut down for the rest of the year. So now me and my wife have become homeschool teachers uh, till till June. Who knows what that picture is going to look like? Hebrews chapter 13, I think verse 8, somewhere right there. It says, Jesus Christ, I'll read it to you, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The beautiful part about that is everything else is changing so much. It says, do not be carried about with various strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. In the midst of a changing world, you know what's interesting? The message of Jesus Christ, the Easter message of an empty tomb in Jerusalem, and I've been there. The fact that the angels said to the women, why do you search for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. That message has not changed for 2,000 years. Same message, same scripture, regardless of what the enemy wants to do, regardless of government and age after age after age, the gospel message of a resurrected Savior and the atonement for sin has stood true for good. In a changing world, a constantly transforming landscape, who knows what the future looks like? The scripture tells us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You want something to measure your life off of? Look at Jesus Christ. You want something to measure your marriage off of? Look at Jesus Christ. You want something to measure your hope and your future off of? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to know how to parent your kids and what, the, what it's supposed to look like at this point? If you've got kids and you're trying to figure out homeschool work and all these things, look at Jesus Christ. What does the word of God tell us? That's where our hope is. That's where the settled future and foundation of all that we are now and all that we will be forever is in Him. And it's revealed to us in His Word. And we do that, it says there, because it's it's good that the heart should be established by grace. Not by fear. Not by discouragement. Not by being disheartened. But established, settled, the foundation of our life established by grace. So that we're not blown about by all these different things. Are they real? Yes. I'm not trying to be insensitive. The sting of some of this really hurts. What's interesting is the greatest thing of all has been settled for good. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Notice, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so does some of this stuff hurt right now? Is it difficult? Do we need to find consolation and measure everything that's happening in Christ? Yes. But the, the, the most looming fear of all of humanity, the most difficult thing that every human coming into this world faces is the issue of death. Why do I die? What happens when I die? Do I actually go somewhere? Do I turn into nothing? Jesus Christ, this day, almost 2,000 years ago, settled the question of that once and for all. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, oh, grave, where's your victory? We have life beyond the grave with God. There's a city for us that's established that he's there putting it in place right now that everyone who crosses from this life into that one is met there by him and carried into this eternal and everlasting glory. That's the hope of this day. So for you and I, I want to read to you out of Revelation 22 in closing. Because this is such a, you know, Again, it's a strange dynamic. How do we be victorious and hopeful and, 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 and be a testimony of Christ in a difficult world when all the difficulties that are going on in the world are probably touching most of our lives right now? Jesus, that's how. To be able to look your friends in their face, your family members who don't know the Lord, say, I'm not really sure what's all going to happen. But there's one thing I know absolutely for sure. And that is, Jesus has paid for my sin. And the proof of that is this day, the empty tomb in Jerusalem, the, 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 the approval of the Father in regards to the payment has been settled once and for all. And I have a new life. The very Spirit of God has taken up residence in me. The scripture says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead also lives in you and I. That same spirit, that power. Are the days difficult? Yes. Are the questions and how-tos of all the situations we're in mind-boggling in some regard? Yes. But know this, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he doesn't change. He was who he is and he always will be. What a hope and a foundation for you and I. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 12, says this. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolatries or whoever loves and practices a lie. Verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the spirit, notice, and the bride, they say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life. Freely. If that's you tonight, if you can for some reason hear what I'm saying to you by the word of God, the spirit and the bride, they say, come. If you're thirsty tonight, come. Do you need hope? Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He wasn't bummed out about what happened. He said, no, all this needed to happen so that I could send the promise of the Father. That way every human, wherever they are, whatever they've done, whatever they're going to do, if they can understand their need for forgiveness, the issue of sin in their heart, it just means missing the mark. Sin, the, the word is missing the mark. Are you perfect? No. Me either. The Father has provided a way for you and I to enter into perfection. That's by the completed work of His Son. And that very one being raised this day 2,000 years ago. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We pray, Lord, that again You would take it just like You did with the two in Emmaus, Lord. You took the bread, You broke it and blessed it and they knew it was you, Lord. I pray, Father, by your word tonight that through worship, you break it and bless it. For those who don't know you, God, for some reason tonight, know it's you, Lord. For those of us who know you, Lord, and are discouraged tonight, Lord, that you break and bless what just took place. And they know it's you. Beseeching, saying, come. Are you thirsty? Come. Are you hopeless? Come. I've proven myself faithful for all good. Lord, we thank you. Be glorified in your name, Jesus. Amen.